We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by No House Advantage. I'm Jeff Erickson. My guest today is Jerry Donabedian from uh, Rotowire.com. If you read an article on Rotowire, if you look at a ranking on Rotowire, there's a really good chance Jerry had his hands on it in some way, shape, or form. He does the target breakdown, the backfield breakdown. He does the streaming defenses article. He does exploiting the matchups. He manages our cheat sheets. He does everything. He's a world traveler, too. Jerry, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Good to be here, Jeff. Good. Glad to have you. As always, it's an annual appearance, and we always look forward to doing this here. You know, one of the things, Jerry, and before we start getting into substantive stuff is you you go with the, you travel to the coolest places. I mean, you 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 went to Machu Picchu for crying out loud one year. I, I no, thought that was I, awesome. I haven't been there yet. I haven't oh, been there yet. No, I'll get there though eventually. Although they say that so many people, it gets so many tourists that eventually it's going to have to be closed off. Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll make it in time. Although I guess then I'm contributing to the problem, right? <laughs> well, I mean that that it, yeah, my, I guess I guess I mean it, it's a conundrum because the world. These sites need to be preserved, but how do you ration it out? I don't know. It's a tricky question right. there. I guess you haven't gone there. I guess it was maybe it was Andrew Fiorentino from Rotowire that went there. I know someone from Rotowire okay. went there, but yeah, I've traveled in South America and Central America, pretty, okay. pretty good bit, but I've never been to Peru. Okay, no, I, I I don't want to mislabel where you've been, uh, so we'll make sure to get that straight next time. Um, you don't call me a Steelers fan. Oh, I would never because. As a fellow AFC North denizen who is not a Steelers fan, I would never make that mistake. Um, even though we root for different teams, um, I'm a Bengals guy, you're a Ravens guy, uh, we'll, we'll still break bread over the fact that we neither of us root for the Steelers. Yeah, absolutely. We're the class of the AFC North, especially your Bengals, it looks like. Hey, you're 2-0 and in the division. Ravens are 2-0 and in the division and tied with the Bengals. Bengals are 0-2 in division. Big game uh, coming up this week. Big game for your Ravens coming up tomorrow night. Let's start with the Ravens. Ravens up uh, against the Bucks Thursday night game. We didn't see Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman Monday or Tuesday. Now, those were limited walkthrough type of practices. So we'll see. Wednesday will be the big practice day for both of them. But what can we expect? Mark Andrews had a big bagel last week. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, yeah, that was surprising even in, you know, a matchup against Cleveland's run defense where I think, you know, going in did think maybe the Ravens are going to try to run the ball more. You look at playing, you know, at Tampa Bay, you maybe think the opposite. You're going to try to throw the ball a little more. But if Bateman and Andrews aren't practicing, um, I'm guessing they'll both play. But, you know, I just I'm not sure. I'm definitely, you know. Gus Edwards had a very encouraging first game back, 16 carries, two touchdowns, uh, but he only played about 35, 40% of the snaps. And I think there'll be some nice days ahead for him, but a road game against the Tampa run defense short week, his first week back from an ACL. There's just, you know, there's a lot going on. I could see him having like a, you know, seven carries for 25 yards type of night. Um, So he's more of like an RB three to me this week, but maybe an RB two moving forward. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, the thing is though, when we lost saw the Bucks, they were getting run all over by Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, at least in the second half of that game. Maybe this was just because of an attrition thing because the Bucks' offense was so putrid, which is amazing. It's a statement in and of itself that I, I find really hard to believe, but it, it's true. Uh, is it possible that the Ravens could replicate that sort of success on the ground? Yeah, it is. It's definitely possible. I mean, the Ravens with Ronnie Stanley back in at left tackle have got a good, healthy offensive line. 
And yeah, the Bucks run defense, uh, I still would consider it above average, but it's not, you know, a couple of years back, it was like they were shutting down McCaffrey and Kamara and that type of deal. Like they were the, you know, number one stay away defense for any running back. Um, and I, they're not quite at that level anymore. And like you said, partially because the offense isn't giving them a, you know, two touchdown lead every week like it used to. Their offense is struggling for every yard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, you know, there, Lamar lately has struggled uh, to throw the ball at the very least. Last week was his lowest fantasy output of the year. I think only like 11 and a half points in most leagues. Um, 120 passing yards, no touchdowns. You know, I think the off. You mentioned Ronnie Stanley coming back at full capacity will really help. The the Cleveland pass rush, which heretofore hadn't been that great, really got to him, especially in the second half of that game. Yeah, he played. I mean, he didn't. He did not play well. Uh, the Ravens were lucky to come out of that with a win. Yeah, and I mean, really, Lamar. It's like he's probably had through seven weeks, probably two games have accounted for you know two thirds of his fantasy points. Right? He had. I mean, two absolutely massive games. I believe weeks two and three. Um, and then since then, I mean, he's, you know, he's played okay from a real life perspective, but the fantasy numbers haven't been there. We've seen the running backs, Dobbins and now Edwards getting the touchdowns and the Ravens just struggling to move the ball more, um, and short week against a good defense or supposedly a good defense. I, I think I'd normally be more pessimistic, but it looks like the Bucks are going to be missing three of their top five in the secondary. And like you said, Carolina made their run defense look a little questionable last week. So you know, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be kind of lower scoring than going into the year. I would have looked at this matchup as a potential shootout, um, whereas right now I think both teams actually have been playing better on defense. Yeah. You know, so despite all that, the total is at forty five and a half. That's above the median median total so far for the year. I mean, average score this year is like around forty two, forty three points. Totals have been down across the league. It's it's been hard to find good quarterback play all around. Yeah, there's been I mean, yeah, it's been a I really not the prettiest year of football. You know, I look at I think part of it is, you know, more teams playing too deep and forcing teams to take short passes. There's also just some really, really bad coaching staffs and some really bad quarterback play around the league. Um, I think we avoid that in this game. But, yeah, I mean, I can see why it's a little bit, you know, above the average total just because there are so many low totals this week and really the last few weeks. Um, and it's certainly when you look at Brady and Jackson, there is always that shootout potential. Yeah, there is. Um, and maybe we'll still get that. I mean, last week we had a Thursday night game that actually was fun. It was sloppy at times, but it was fun. And it was tonic for the last, the two previous weeks. So. Maybe there's potential. I mean, there's still the skill position players there, especially if we get Andrews and Bateman healthy. I mean, that's the one thing I'm worried about uh, is I think you take away Bateman off the top of this offense. I, I think it makes it a lot tougher for Baltimore. Yeah, there's really there's just so little else at wide receiver. I mean, Duvernay is like a good, you know, he's a great complimentary player, return specialist, jet sweeps, all that. But yeah, without Bateman, you just don't really have anyone who's good at getting open one on one on the outside. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Gus Edwards, you mentioned, is you know probably an RB two, RB three kind of range. I like him. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not optimistic about Dobbins doing anything the right remainder of this year. I think it's pretty much Edwards, and then we'll see who they mix in. Whether it's Justice Hill or maybe you'll still see a little bit of uh, you know, uh, of uh, Kenyon Drake. Although, boy, Drake really laid an egg last week there. But I, I don't. What do you think about Dobbins? Do you think he comes back at all this year? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm keeping him on IR in leagues where I have him, um, but I think I'm kind of with you on that one. Like, anything that he can provide for the Ravens would just be kind of a bonus. Um, probably looking at, like, a late-season return around the fantasy playoffs or real NFL playoffs even if, you know, if the Ravens are in and if Dobbins gets healthier. But, yeah, no, I think it's going to be mostly Edwards, Drake, and Hill. Uh, the exact breakdown, I'm not sure if I know that Justice Hill had you know almost fumbled the game away last week, but he's kind of the one guy that gives you some bursts, some explosiveness. Uh, Edwards and Drake, you don't get that, but I think they trust them more. And with Justice Hill fumbling late in the fourth quarter this past week, uh, I think it only increases the chances that they're going to you know lean more toward the veterans. So yeah, I think you know Edwards is the one I would want at this point, but 
throughout his career, we've seen even when he's filled in as like the number one back, he doesn't get passing downward. No, nope. um, nope. he doesn't get many targets on early downs. So you do kind of need you do need him to get into the end zone most weeks, right? Like or you know break off a long run so he gets over a hundred yards because he's not going to have those you know free five or six points that a lot of running backs get from dump off passes. And Jackson just doesn't throw to the running backs a ton anyway. That's right. That's right. How about on the Buck side of things? Um, Leonard Fournette was getting a very heavy workload early and was very productive with it. However, you know, last week he really looked stuck in the mud. Rashad White got uh, a higher, higher workload than he's gotten in previous weeks. Uh, and he, he's, he looked to me like the better back, at least the fresher back maybe. I don't know about better back. Better is probably state, overstating the case. But I think Rashad White might be a little ascendant. What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm 100% there with you. Yeah, in my uh, backfield breakdown article this week, I think one of the main things I noted was that Rashad White had a season high for snap share, Leonard Fournette a season low. Um, in terms of the touches, I think they were only like three or four apart. Um, and that had been kind of creeping for a couple weeks now, right? Where like, as you said earlier in the year, Fournette had a couple games, I think, where he was over 80% snap share, you know, 20 of the 25 RB touches and White was really only coming in when Fournette was tired. Uh, But this past week against the Panthers, it was, you know, they really were rotating them pretty evenly. Uh, It was, I think, 55 to 45, 58 to 42 in terms of snaps, maybe. And yeah, like Fournette just hasn't looked good. Um, I don't know that he's like washed up or anything. I think the Bucks are just having a lot of, you know, problems. They're not doing well finding easy yards, the adjustment to a new offensive coordinator. Brady may be declining a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would imagine that, you know, Rashad White is going to keep getting his chances. And if Fournette gets hurt, he could be the, you know, proverbial league winner. But even without a Fournette injury, I wouldn't be shocked if he takes over, at least forces it to like a 60-40 or 50-50 type of committee. Indeed. And as you alluded to in the article, the Bucks' offensive line is a mess. I mean, they lost their center in training camp, and I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. This is after a surprise retirement, defections of free agency. Uh, it's just, it, it hasn't worked out. Donovan Smith missed some games. Uh, they had trouble at left guard. Uh, you know, we, we look at, we spend a lot of time looking at the running backs like, well, they stink. Well, no, no, the often, if there's no lines to run through, there's no, there's no holes to run through. Yeah, they've, I mean, right. They've still, you know, and I kind of think their offensive line, I think in general, the books will pull it together by the end of the year and be a tough out in the playoffs. Um, Cause when I look at their offensive line, they've still got Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs as the tackles. They still got Shaq Mason in the middle there. One of the better run blocking guards. Uh, but as you said, the left guard spot has been an absolute disaster. And the guy they've been, I think got the guy they've been starting there just went down with an injury this past Sunday. Um, in addition, they also lost Antoine Winfield on defense, so they're actually a little more banged up than the Ravens heading into this game, I think. Yep. Um, whereas the Ravens, for most of the year, have been the more injured team between them and their opponent. Um, so I kind of think their line will pull it together, but yeah, they do just, they've got that weakness in the middle and the Ravens strength on the, of their, you know, defensive front seven is the interior guys, the linemen more so than the edge rushers and linebackers. Uh, so I just, it's, it's a tough matchup for Fournette and white. Now you look at how, you know, Fournette has scored most of his points on dump off passes this year. So from that perspective, maybe it works out fine for him, but I would not expect a big rushing game from him at all this week. Right. Right. I, I tend to agree with you on that one there. All of our podcasts are brought to you on the Blue Wire Network. Here's where we pause to put give, play one of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Appreciate your indulgence. Uh, we appreciate the Blue Wire Network for hosting our podcast. I'm here with Jared Donabinian from rotowire.com. And if you uh, heard earlier, we were referring to Jerry's Backfield Breakdown article. Uh, that is one of uh, four regular features that Jerry does on a, on a regular basis for our weekly basis for us in season. Um, so White was among the guys you were listed as possible guys to pick up based on usage and patterns. Tell us how you go about doing this article every week, Jerry. Uh, well, the first, I guess the first step really is I basically am collecting stats from a bunch of different sources, um, putting them together to kind of get, uh, you know, sort of, it's supposed to be sort of like a uh, compliment to your basic box score, right? Where you're going to see yards, carries, all that. So I'm showing the percentage of each team's carries, the percentage of targets, percentage of snaps. And then also a new feature this year is right there. You can see the season percentage. Um, so it kind of makes it easy to see some of those changes. Like we talked about with like Rashad White. Uh, you know, he played 45% of snaps this past week. Well, he's around 25% from the season. Uh, so when you look at like the stat tables you have, you can actually sort by who gained or lost the most snap share between their weekly and season. And that's kind of like one of my shortcuts to look at role changes. Um, obviously, that will also like include injuries, right? Trade situations like McCaffrey. But sort of looking at the extremes of stuff like that, I feel like just gives me like a good kind of like bird's eye view of the big stuff that happened this week. And then I dig into each game individually, each backfield individually, look at, you know, sort by, you know, who was playing on third and long, who was getting the goal line carries, try to sort of figure out little intricacies of what coaches are trying to do with the running backs that might help in future weeks. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, that, that, I, and I can see that being uh, a way to get a shortcut and trying to find some pickups. Like, and I, I like looking at uh, your article too. So for me, one of the things I liked it, I, I like, I'm, first of all, it's really interesting data. And I like your game breakdowns. I like uh, one of the things you do there. Uh, you kind of dig into that a little bit there. So we were talking about the Bucks side of things in that Bucks Panthers game, but what about the uh, Carolina Panthers? Hubbard versus Foreman is a little bit of a debate. Uh, Hubbard got actually more carries uh, than, or at least not, I should say more, yeah, more, you know, prior to the fourth quarter, at least Hubbard got more carries, more snaps, more targets. Foreman was playing very well, had that big 60 yard run that set up Hubbard's touchdown, but then Hubbard also got hurt in the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. So Hubbard, Hubbard was working ahead of Foreman. I mean, they were both getting a lot of work, but I think it was about like 60, 40 um, until late in the game. Hubbard suffered an ankle injury and then it was all Foreman from there. And they both did well, right? Hubbard had nine carries for 63 yards and scored a touchdown, I believe. And Foreman had like what 12 for 120 15 for 120 he was he had the one long run but also picked up chunks otherwise so yeah to me i'm kind of leaving that as a to be determined right because hubbard was ahead of him but then foreman probably played a little bit better um and he kind of looks i guess the part of more of like the early down grinder type back uh, and you kind of figure with carolina's qb situation that they're going to want to run the ball um a lot, although with these running backs, I don't know if it's going to be as effective. Despite what we saw last week, um, I know last year when they had when they didn't have McCaffrey, they really had no running game as much as they tried to get it going with Hubbard. So yeah, on that one, I'm not sure. I think I favored Foreman a little bit. I do too. Um, just like you know. I kind of feel like in this summer when I was drafting best ball teams, like he would, I would pick him over Hubbard as like my, you know, end game Panthers backup running back guy. Uh, Cause I thought he played well with Tennessee last year. I thought Hubbard 
really looked bad with the Panthers last year. His running looked fine, but his blocking pass catching was a mess. He actually looks much cleaner, like a little bit this year. Like it's not as much of uh, I thought he almost looked like kind of clueless, overwhelmed last year. He looks now like not a rookie anymore. Uh, so I'm definitely leaving the door open to be wrong there, but I do prefer Foreman. I do too. I have Foreman this week at 27 in my uh, at my value meter weekly rankings. Um, I, I ahead of Pollard and Algier, the ones immediately behind him. It's a kind of a tough range here, and then hover down at 36 for whatever it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I think they're both kind of in that like low RB two to RB three type range. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of it will come. We'll have to really keep an eye on the injury reports there because with you know an ankle sprain, it can be nothing. The guy's fine three days later, or it can swell up, and what he thought was nothing, he could miss a game or two. So the and the Panthers are usually pretty straightforward with injuries in there. If a guy's like full practicing, he's going to play. So yeah, yeah. Well, we should know by Friday, I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, let's talk about another kind of tricky running back situation is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Connor has been in and out of injury. Uh, they, he's had the extra time to try to recover for this week. We not, we'll see what happens with their practice reports coming up this week. But in his stead on the Thursday night game, I got to say, uh, you know, Benjamin looked pretty good. And even Keontae Ingram looked pretty good, too. I, if I'm the Cardinals, I may not be in a hurry to bring Connor back. Yeah, so I think I think with it being a rib injury and him having missed a couple of games, I think he will be back this week. I'm not sure about that at all. Um, but I do think that I've definitely adjusted my projections for Connor, like the type of, you know, preseason, it was like, you know, you're projecting him for maybe 14, 15 carries and a handful of targets per game. The question was just how many games would he play? Now there's the secondary question of what percentage of the workload is he going to get? Because, yeah, he even when he's been healthy this year, he hasn't looked particularly good, right? He hasn't done much. Uh, and Eno Benjamin just had the best game that we've seen from a Cardinals running back this season uh, against the Saints on Thursday Night Football. So, yeah, I do think that even if Connor's back, even if he's healthy, uh, I, you know, it's just I don't I don't quite trust the workload. I would think that he still works ahead of Benjamin, but. It could be 50-50, it could be 60-40, it could be like a hot hand type thing. Uh, just, yeah, my confidence in him is pretty low right now. And I, I don't know that if they both play, I don't know that I'd want to start Eno Benjamin either. Right. He's certainly a guy I would love to have on my bench right now and just wait to see how things play out. Yeah. Unfortunately, in bye week, sometimes you, you don't have that luxury. If you're an Eckler owner, for instance, uh, you know, you got to play somebody. Like, And I had to play Benjamin last week. It was almost kind of in a have-to situation in a couple of leagues. Uh, it certainly worked out. I, I, right now, I'm ranking as if Connor won't play. Obviously, you know, I do a Thursday update when we have two days of practice, and we can kind of get a better, better feel for it there. But I have Benjamin at 21 right now, slightly ahead of Brian Robinson, Daryl Henderson, Devin Singletary. Kind of, a, you know, there's similar, you know, some some similar uh, sharing situations there, or, or at least un, uncertain situations, volatile situations. Like Washington is pretty volatile too. You know, Robinson's clearly the starter and got more work, but Gibson's the better back, in my opinion. But um, they don't ask me my opinion. They don't. No, they don't ask me either. Gibson did, though, rewatching that game yesterday. Yeah. Gibson looked incredible. And he was, I mean, his acceleration um, and his energy level, too. He just looked like very, you know, I don't know. He looked hyped, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know how much that matters. And Robinson, Robinson played pretty well, too, to be fair. Um, but Gibson is, and he's, you know, he's a big, strong back, but Gibson just looked so fast. Um, and I wonder if, and he's looked more comfortable in the passing game too than in past years. So I wonder if they'll just totally phase McKissick out. I mean, at this point he really only plays third downs and two minute drill. Uh, but even that maybe they get Gibson more of that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we get to a point where Rick Robinson and Gibson are like both startable as flexes. Uh, right now, you certainly feel anxious starting either of them, but mm-hmm. they're not for like a bye week fill in. You could do worse, right? Yeah, like week one, Gibson's running like real routes against the Jaguars uh, and and looked really good while doing it there. The following week, I better get McKissick his eight targets. Like what? Why? McKissick was the guy that was targeted on the interception and uh, that was the on the pick six, and it wasn't a good throw. But also, I mean. Campbell outfought McKissick for that ball too. I mean, it, I think McKissick might have got a hand on at least. You know, he looked like he was just waiting for it to come to him. Now I'm I'm projecting my bias onto this situation because I've always been like Gibson's a really talented player. They got to treat him like that, but they just don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and I've never been a JD McKissick fan to be honest. I kind of my I've joked that any failed slot receiver 
with, you know, two years of practice can be turned into JD McKissick. Um, you know, he's just not very fast, not very big. Uh, but yeah, I don't, it's, it is, it is odd to me. They really like him and the bills wanted to sign him. So teams, you know, teams like that type of player, but yeah, I do think Gibson almost looks more comfortable doing some of that. Maybe because he played receiver in college, he almost looks more comfortable with running some of those more complicated routes, um, flexing out of the backfield, catching screens and passes that way more so than he looks comfortable, like as the check down man who has to, you know, be responsible for blocking and leaking out to the flats. Um, like he, so maybe that they start to see that and they start to give him some of those McKissick targets and snaps. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. Uh, Memphis just had this string of like, really, you know, it's underrated how, how many running backs in a row, running backs slash receivers they could crank out in a row. Another one of those was Daryl Henderson, who has got the job ish right now for the Rams. I'm not quite sure how they're going to handle things going forward. Sound acres isn't going to play this week. They prefer to trade him, but they might keep him. but they, they were trying to get McCaffrey and lost out there. What do you, how do you uh, break down the Rams situation? Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like the Acres thing, I, whatever's going on there, it sounds like there's a pretty strong plan, chance that he doesn't play for them again. Uh, and you know, Darrell Henderson, he's a fine player. He's not not great. Um, he's obviously had a lot of trouble, especially when he's been asked to take on a bigger workload. Has had trouble staying healthy, more so like nagging minor injuries rather than like one serious injury. Right. Um, but I, for especially for deeper leagues or. You know, for if you're looking for a running back stash, I think Kyron Williams, the fifth round rookie out of Notre Dame, um, I think he was actually like on track to have a small role in the offense early in the season. And then he hurt his, uh, he suffered a high ankle sprain on a kickoff in week one. I think like the you know very first quarter might have even been the first snap of the season. Uh, and he's been out since then. But Sean McVay just earlier this week said that he thought. Williams could be back to practice next week ahead of week nine, uh, which, you know, might mean he's ready to play week nine, 10, 11. So, you know, I mean, Malcolm Brown is the other running back they've got on the roster. Who's like, you know, a 28, 29 year old plotter didn't do a ton his last time with them. Obviously has McVay's trust in terms of knowledge of the offense and blocking, but just offers almost nothing as a runner. So I could see Kyron Williams emerging as like, you know, one of these guys who flips fantasy leagues down the end of the year. Maybe even if Henderson doesn't get hurt, just because, like, you know, Henderson is not exactly rock solid in that starting job. I could see, you know, more turnover coming to this Rams backfield. Maybe we see a trade before the deadline, too. Uh, but I really, Kyron Williams, I think, is like exactly the kind of guy you want on fantasy bench. Yep. If you had the spot for him, you know, you might have to wait three weeks. That's the negative part about it. But. Because, you know, it might be because first he has to be designated to return and then he has to build up the practice activity. But, yeah, I agree. I, I, I did a I do the sneaky ads video with Alan every week on YouTube. And I mentioned Kyron Williams last week during the Rams buy. I was thinking maybe come back right after the buy, but it, it's not going to be the case. But uh, still, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's kind of interesting. We'll see if the Rams make a trade. They they they've never been shy about going for it in any particular year. But I don't know if this is a go for a year. I mean, actually, I think it is because. I mean, San Francisco's had all these, in, uh, you know, injury issues, especially on their defense. Seattle's in first place, but I don't think they view Seattle as a team that has staying power there. I think this is an opportunity for them if, if they can get things fixed. Just a question: Do you want to spend that on a running back, or do you ra- would you rather go out and get a better offensive lineman? Yeah, yeah, I think the Rams they kind of have. They've already they committed to this being a win now a year long ago. Yeah, there's no going back, and as as you know, as poor as they've looked that, you know, you look at the NFC and it's like, who do you actually have confidence in right now? Besides the Eagles and the Cowboys, it's, you know, I mean, the giants only have one loss, but uh, you know, every time, every game they're winning, you know, at the very end by a foot or whatever. Um, and they don't, they're, you know, they don't have passing game weapons. So I just, even though the Rams haven't been good, it's like same with the Bucks. It's like you still kind of see an opening there. And I kind of said the same for the Ravens and the AFC. It was like, look, the Bills and the Chiefs, they look great. But the rest of the conference looks totally beatable. The Bengals are starting to look uh, pretty dangerous as well. Yep. But it's kind of like, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs are going to be that good <laughs> probably for every year for the next five years. Or, you know, it's I mean, football's unpredictable, but more years than not, they're going to be that good. So if you see that the conference is otherwise weak, you know, that might be your year to take a shot. And the Rams, you know, the Rams, the 49ers obviously already thought the same thing with bringing McCaffrey in. Yep. So I think maybe we'll see a few other of those disappointing teams, Bucks, Rams, Ravens, whatever, 
maybe be a little more aggressive than in the past. Yeah, for sure. I wonder what the Chargers do, too. I mean, they're on their bye this week. They just lost Mike Williams. They need a new coach. (laughs) So I'm not throwing this at the feet of Staley yet Um, or Lombardi because a couple of things. They lost their center for like five weeks, and you lose a center, that's huge. Corey Lindsley, you know, he got hurt in the Chiefs game. They lost Rashawn Slater. Keenan Allen's played half of a game so far. Really? I mean, maybe you could, you know, one half of an uncompromised game and then one half of the game last week. I, I know they're not throwing it deep, and he, but at the same time, it's hard to when Williams is getting bracketed or shadowed by Sertan or whatever the case may be. I, I don't blame all this on Staley. No, no it's, I mean, I certainly don't blame the offensive struggles all on him. I think that the front office should have brought in – you know, brought in more speed in the offseason. That's sort of what is missing from their receiving group, which when healthy, which it has not been, is quite a good receiving group. Yeah. Um, but you do you do look at it now and it's like, you know, coming out, even coming out of this bye, Mike Williams is probably not going to be ready. Yeah. Um, Joshua Palmer has not played well. Um, and he missed the last game with a concussion, I believe. And Keenan Allen, I mean, you would think that having played a little bit and supposedly avoiding setbacks, although he didn't play in the second half. So who knows how honest they're being about that. You would think he's back, but I don't know. You know, there's going to be risk of aggravating the hamstring. Like you said, Rashawn Slater is already out for the year. There's no getting him back the way they got Lindsley back. Right. It's, it is a tough situation there. Um, if they could add like Brandon Cooks or something, that would make a whole lot of sense. Although there's probably 10 teams right now, including my Ravens, who I would say the same thing for the Packers, you know. Oh, God. A lot Packers. of teams could, uh, use a, could use a veteran with speed uh, who can catch passes. Well, and Brandon Cooks, he gets traded. That's what he does. So, I mean, <laughs> right, right. it makes sense. I don't think they get the second round pick that that's been floating around out there. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't send a second round pick for Cooks at this stage of his career. But uh, yeah, uh, he, he'd be perfect for the Chargers for sure. Uh, they lost Guyton earlier, and maybe that actually is a factor because he was a he was that go route guy. You know, he was you know, he, he, it's not like he's going to get you a lot of possessions, but he, he is a legit threat to go deep. And I don't know if they have. You know, Paul, I don't think Palmer's that guy, and Palmer has a concussion too. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think they have that guy right now. Yeah, no, I mean, Mike Williams can win jump balls, although he's now about to miss games. But yeah, no, the, and DeAndre Carter is fast but tiny. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I wouldn't have thought that losing Jalen Goyton would matter. But when you're down to Michael Bandy playing, you know, two thirds of the snaps and right. had like negative, he had like negative five yards on five targets or something ridiculous like that. It's like, well, you know, just a you know guy who can run down field fast and block well would be a little bit better than that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it is a real problem for them. We'll talk more about targets and uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks too, but we have to first share a note from our uh, title sponsors, No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, Earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NoHouseAdvantage.com. Or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, it's also where you play. You all want to miss out on this. I'm talking to Jerry Donabinian. Uh, let's talk about uh, QB ranks this week real quick. Jerry, the Colts made a change of quarterback. You know, Matt Ryan probably wouldn't have been able to play this week because of the, the shoulder separation. But it's a permanent change. Sam Erlinger is going to be the starter for the rest of the season. Are you in a super flex league? How aggressive would you be in going after Erlinger? Um, I mean, I think I view him as probably like a low end QB two. I'm not, he played really well this preseason and okay. Last preseason, but there's, yeah, I, I mean, I view him pretty much as an unknown, you know, he's a sixth round pick young guy. Uh, had a bunch of rushing stats in college and rushing stats this preseason, but he only ran, I think, a 4.8340. So he's certainly not like, you know, a top notch athlete. 
you're maybe going to get 20, 25 rushing yards per game. Um, I think the bigger impact that he's actually going to have on their offense is that they're going to be able to maybe use that threat of the QB taking off, the QB tucking it on the option plays to open things up a little more for their run game. I just think so many NFL teams now, I mean, even teams that only have like a Trevor Lawrence mobility, that threat and the fact that it, you know, forces the backside defender to stay honest is such a big part of getting the running game going. And with Matt Ryan, they don't have that at all. He just has no mobility. You can let him, you can let him roll out and run, you know, you don't have to worry about it. So just having someone who offers some threat, um, and I think it's going to be the end of the game plan we saw these past few weeks, right? Where like Matt Ryan threw 50 times. They're throwing a million short passes to the running backs and Paris Campbell and Pittman. Uh, so I'm not, even though Matt Ryan was playing absolutely terrible, I'm not really excited about this from the perspective of either Ellinger's fantasy production or like Paris Campbell keeping up his hot streak, Pittman. But I do think it's going to do well for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, um, I think it's going to help him get back on track and they're going to try to win with Taylor in defense and try to sneak into a wild card or win the weak division that way. Um, but I mean, you know, I guess in a lot of super flex leagues, it's like any quarterback, any starting quarterback who comes about is like the you know top edition of the week. Right. Uh, and from that from that standpoint, it does it does appear that he's going to get a real chance. Right. This isn't just going to be a one week and they pull the plug if it doesn't go great. I think they're really going to give him a few games here before they even consider if he struggles going back to Ryan. So from that perspective, yeah, I think he's, you know, someone you're going to pursue aggressively. He does have a little bit of mobility Um, and watching the way he played in the preseason. He's not he's not shy. So I think there might be some turnovers, uh, but he's not going to be like a total wimpy caretaker QB. who's just throwing the ball away and all that kind of thing. I do think when he's asked to take shots, he will. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So I have him in my rankings this week. He's pretty modest ranking. I've got him at 19 ahead of Tannehill because Tannehill might not be so mobile this week after injuring his ankle. P.J. Walker, you know, I could I could make a case for P.J. Walker actually being higher. Atlanta's down their, their two top corners, so I could actually see them throwing the ball effectively. D.J. Moore had his best week this season with Walker last week. Yeah, DJ Moore finally alive. Um, yeah, I don't know with that Carolina team. I'm not even sure which of those quarterbacks is the worst right now. Um, right? Yeah, I think I, I think I put I, I think I put Ellinger a little bit ahead of Walker. I put him ahead of Heineke, Brissett, Tannehill, Fields. Um, but I think I don't know. Like, would I start him over like? Mac Jones. Well, I guess with Mac Jones, we still have to see what's going on with Zappy and all that. Um, but yeah, I think like I probably have him more low twenties than early teens. But it's all kind of, I feel like that's all. All those guys are grouped there pretty close. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I, I it is it is pretty close. Uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to move. I, mean, I am going to move Walker up a little bit. I think. Uh, I'll tell you one I don't like this week. I don't like Trevor Lawrence this week. I don't think you can set a total low enough in any Denver game this year. I know Lawrence has the rushing touchdowns the last two weeks. I just think it's going to be an ugly, ugly game again. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Lawrence either. Um, yeah, that's and I'm watching the Jaguars this year. Um, I know this is probably not the most popular opinion, but I mean, to me, he looks like the problem with that offense. Um, I thought that Peterson has done a decent job with the run game design and with creating some fairly easy completions. And I, to me, it just looks like Lawrence misses too many throws, uh, holds on to the ball when he should get rid of it. Now he's young and he was, you know, maybe shell shocked from his first year. Um, but in general, him against like even a decent defense makes me nervous. So him against the Broncos defense that's played well every single week this year um, without fail is just, yeah. And it's in London on, you know, a, probably the field there is often a problem. The weather there is often a problem. So, yeah, I'm very down on Lawrence this week as well. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate. I So Lawrence, like two weeks ago against the Colts, had no like um, – Pretty much a mistake-free game, except for taking one pretty bad sack where it was Matt Ryan-esque that he ran backwards and put the you know put the Jaguars out of field goal position after ETN had a long play uh, very early in that game. But then there's other weeks he just makes that inexplicably bad throw, and it just makes you wonder. He was fine last week. I think they do lack playmakers among wide receivers. I think the Kirk signing was, I mean. For what it's worth, I think Kirk is a good fit for Lawrence. I just don't know about if the money was right, but who cares about the money? They need to get some talent. But they just don't have that over-the-top talent. They're another team. Hey, 
Brandon Cooks to the Jaguars. Let's make it happen. Yeah, they could. Um, and I, I like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, although Marvin Jones is you know, pretty close to washed up at this point, but yeah, they just don't, there's not like a, you know, there's no one to take the top off. There's not a Kirk is the fastest guy and he's mostly playing from the slot. Um, you know, it would Zay Jones is like a possession receiver. Marvin Jones, a possession receiver, uh, their tight end might be their fastest guy. Yeah. He, they only really send him. They only see really send Ingram out to the flats over and over again. For the most part, he doesn't do a lot of stuff downfield. He did make one big play this past week against the giants. Uh, but yeah, no, that, I mean, and, and Brett right on the other side, Brett right. I mean, he was, he is bad. He's oh. probably like a third string. He's a third string quality guy masquerading as a backup. Um, so that's, and even if, you know, it's either going to be him or like Russell Wilson on one leg, having coming off a nine hour flight to London or whatever. So yeah. 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 yeah did you see that note this morning? He was doing like, what was it? He was doing some sort of athletic activity for four of the eight hours on the flight. It, it was just like really trying hard to prove everybody is okay. He goes, he, he was uh, he was doing high knees in the aisle, and the rest of the guys were asleep. Come on, really? Oh wow! Yeah, it's just like the uh, cringeworthy. Yes, it, it was a very cringe. You know, he goes, he worked out and stretched for four of the eight hours on the flight from Denver to London. He's listed, uh, and then he said, you know, no restrictions. He's he's all. Positive, you know. I guess he'll pro- he'll probably play, and maybe he'll be. It's 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 an upgrade over Ripian, but it's still not good. That's the problem. I mean, I can sympathize because I am on long flights. I'm definitely like a get up and walk around, even if I don't have to pee type of guy. But you yeah. know, the, the full doing the full stretching routine while everyone's trying to sleep. Come on, man, don't do that. Just wait till you get there. Exactly. I, I can see. I got I can just see eyes rolling right now reading that report. <laughs> But it's pretty bad. We'll talk a wide receiver. Go ahead. I would say he's winning over his teammates in Denver as fast as he won over his teammates in Seattle. Yeah, right. Something like switched with him. I don't know. It's just very weird. Like, uh, you know, just trying to. You know, a friend of mine said he's trying to project that he's something that he's not. That he's a really nice guy in real life, but he's trying to project some other thing. I'm not right. Like the Kobe Bryant type, you know, lethal, whatever obsessed type image. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're going to talk receivers in a sec, but first uh, note from our friends at swagger. There are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports betters in the U S but 90% of all cash prizes are won by only 2% of all players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dude's dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with the major U.S. pro sports as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even eSports. Ready to play? play visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out plus match your first deposit up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. I'm here with Jerry Donabedian from Rotowire, and Jerry does our target breakdown article every week on Rotowire. Jerry, like much like the backfield break, uh, breakdown, I always often look at your uh, target breakdown article, help find some uh, sneaky guys maybe to add, help me give some guidance on starting. What are some of the key factors when you're looking at with your your target breakdown? I mean, yeah, I think the you know, first thing I look at always is, you know, route participation, like the you know percentage of uh, the quarterbacks, dropbacks, the guy was running routes on that often will give like, you know, some kind of angle beyond just looking at the snap share. Uh, you know, you'll see guys like especially like Bateman on the Ravens would be an example where even if he only plays 60 percent of snaps, you know, he's out there running 80, 85 percent of the routes. They're taking him off the field for running plays. Uh, and again, that's a thing that I do the same thing where you can kind of if you go to the the stat tables at the top of the column you can sort by the players who's you know the biggest difference in their route share for the week that just happened compared to the season same with target share 
same with air yard share. Um, air yards are obviously another very popular like indicator of guys who maybe are getting chances but not putting up big numbers. It's another thing that tends to lead toward production in the future. Um, and you know, this this past week, really injuries were usually when you're talking about like fantasy and injuries having a big big impact. We're looking at running backs, but this week it seemed like five or six big name wide receivers and a couple of you know smaller name starters went down with injuries. And yeah. some of them like DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, we're not sure yet what the absence is going to be, but it seems like it's going to be at least one or two games. So over these next few weeks, we're probably going to see some kind of no name type guys have some pretty big games just because there are so many stars out of lineups. Right. Like Marquise Goodwin, for instance, uh, who had yes. uh, the big game against the Chargers. Is that sustainable? Can we can we go out and pick him up and think that he's someone we can start? I wouldn't. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Um, I think Lockett will get take on more targets. I think a little more of the target share will go toward the tight ends. Um, I think good. I mean, good. When I just think at this point, he's not going to be like a frequently targeted guy. I, he does give you that shot of that big play, though, and we've seen that Geno Smith is not hesitant to throw the ball downfield. Uh, so certainly you could get, you know, in like a DFS showdown type contest, um, Goodwin makes a lot of sense, but he definitely, you know, the style of player he is worries me that he'll have like, you know, even if he gets 50 snaps, it might be two or three targets. Um, mm. That wouldn't be abnormal for a player like him. So, yeah, I guess that's that's probably not my favorite, but the Chargers are definitely one that I'm looking at where depending on what happens with like Williams and Allen, you know, even though I don't like Joshua Palmer, just based on the target expectation, he could be a starter after the fantasy starter after this week eight by. Um, and certainly the Seattle thing is worth it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, maybe Noah fan emerges, maybe Goodwin emerges, maybe D. Eskridge, the second round pick from last year, finally has more than like a trick play role. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's still not clear if Metcalf's going to miss like one game or five yet. Right, exactly. Uh, I will say this. Gino's dealing. Gino looks really good. And it's almost makes you wonder, like, was he just a product of some really bad situations, the Jets and the Giants? Uh, did is, or is he more mature now and that has something to do with it? Um, or is this a seven-game fluke? I, I, I think there's something real here. Yeah, I don't think it's a seven game fluke. I just when I watched him, it's just he's playing. It's just he's too, you know, he plays too cleanly, um, too confidently to I just I don't think over seven games, you know, guys have two or three games like that. Sure. But the fact that he still kept it up um, and, you know, the, I mean, he's also got I think the offensive coordinator there. Uh, Cromer is doing a good job. He's, well, we might not have Metcalf for a couple weeks now, but having the good receivers. Yeah, I think there's something real there with that offense, and Kenneth Walker looks good. Yeah, I don't know with Gino how much of it is him improving versus him just being in such bad situations before. Um, I don't know, but whatever the case is, I'm, you know, my preseason evaluation of the Seattle offense is completely out the window, and I'm now viewing it as at least a decent offense, if not a good one. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too. And I, I do question the defense on the other side. I really like Daniel, Daniel Jones this week as a streamer. Um, I, I know that a couple weeks ago against Arizona, the defense actually rose up and they made life hell on uh, Kyler Murray. But I think that's more a function of them losing their center and left guard in the, that game and you know just not being able to protect Kyler. But uh, I, you know, I, I sneakily, I think that this is another good game for Daniel Jones. I don't think he'll run for 100 yards again like he did last week, but I think he'll be useful. I think Slayton might be useful a little bit. Shame that they lost Bellinger. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like he could be out for the rest of the year. He needs eye surgery. Yeah. Um, I didn't see. I didn't quite see what happened when I was watching that game, um, but I did see the Giants really are watching them. I've been so. I mean, so impressed with Brian Dabble uh, and the way that he finds like you would think it would just be a very predictable offense, you know, with Barkley getting so much, so many touches, but the way that he uses like pre-snap motion, getting Breda some touches from two back sets, um, all the short passes that he was doing with Wondell Robinson uh, this past week, it's just, he's finding ways to keep it creative uh, and to keep it like unpredictable in a sense, even if it's sort of predictable, big picture, right. That they want to get the ball to Barkley. Um, and I really thought, I think Wondell Robinson got all eight of his targets in the first half this past week. And it was really his first time having like a full-time role, right. Cause week one, he got hurt. Then he he came back with right. six and only played maybe 20 snaps, but he looked 
good against the Ravens. He had a touchdown um, and caught three or four targets. So he's someone actually, I think on my target breakdown this week, he was like the, my number one recommended pickup. Right. Um, it, it's nice that he gets a, he does start off with a nice matchup against Seattle, though he got banged up in the second half last week and will probably be on the injury report this week. So that's something to watch. But based on the way that they prioritized him in the game plan in the first half of that Jacksonville game, um, I, I could see him ending up being like, you know, their number one receiver by the end of the season, if not within the next week or two. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, I wonder if Tony ever comes back. I, you know, at this point in time, I, I almost question whether it's really all injuries or if there's something else going on here, because the, it's always been this weird storyline with Kadarius Tony. Yeah, it's it's I don't quite. Yeah, I don't quite. It seems almost like what are the chances of someone having this many hamstring pulls and bruises and like, especially cause he never actually plays the game. When is he getting hurt? Um, I guess the, the giants, maybe they have some fierce practices, but yeah, it's like every time that the reporters say like, Oh, Tony's looking better. He's doing sprints. It's like two days later. Oh, now we heard his other hamstring and he's back to nothing. Right. Um, at this point, like, I, you know, I don't think he needs to be like stashed in 10 or 12 team leagues, maybe deeper leagues. Sure. Uh, but I would, I would rather bet on Wandale Robinson. And I've also thought Darius Slayton looks good, uh, but he, it, the wide receiver rotation there has been pretty confusing. Like Slayton played great in the first half against Jacksonville had, I think 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then in the second half, he was like third among their wide receivers in snaps and got one target. Right. So it's it's been tough to predict. Uh, yeah. Slayton's another guy who seems to, for whatever reason, not uh, not get along with the coaching staff. It's like based on just what we've seen from him on the field in his career, he seems pretty clearly better than you know Marcus Johnson, David Sills, Richie James. But those guys are taking snaps from him still. Right, exactly. Like Slayton looked good in the uh, London game against the Packers. Then the following week, I think he had a goose egg. And then he had a good first half against the Jaguars, and I think I cut him prior to that. It's like, ah, okay, what do I do here? I don't know. Just I don't like rostering guys that you can't at least get a floor of production in any given week. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I mean. Go Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that, you know, with the way Daniel Jones is playing and the way the Dabble is coaching, I think there is maybe more opportunity for a receiver to step up and be fantasy useful there. And that even though they've been a run first team, they haven't been nearly as extreme. Like you watch the first half against Jacksonville, they were pretty, pretty unpredictable in terms of the run pass split. So I do think there's maybe more opportunity than people think for someone there to emerge as like a fan, you know, a real fantasy starter at receiver. Exactly. Uh, we have one more note to share and then we'll talk about tight ends. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. With Jerry Donabedian on Jerry's Target Breakdown article, you, you and I, Jerry, share the, the same top option for a potential tight end streamer, and that's Irv Smith on the Vikings. Yeah, looking at the matchup this week against the Cardinals, they've struggled for, I mean, really for a few years now with giving up fantasy points to tight ends. Their defense just not very good in general. And I think a lot of people dropped Irv Smith over the week seven by. Um, See, I like him. He's not he's not going to be a big yardage guy. He is really pretty much getting targets in the flats, but he's also getting targets near the end zone. Uh, And I think, you know, there's a a pretty decent chance for him to find the end zone this week. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I, you know, Juwan Johnson had two touchdowns the previous week against them. Uh, just as a as a point of reference, he's 40 percent available uh, or 40 percent rostered, I should say, in Yahoo League. So. Check check your league, but you know a lot of people might have cut him coming off the bye. So I always like to look at that anyhow, especially uh, on a particularly tough bye week last week. Buffalo, Philly, uh, the Rams, and the Vikings. That's a lot of fantasy players that are on bye, and you need to find someone to pick up. You know, you got to you're scrambling to pick up your roster spots. I mean, sometimes you have to find a cut. So in a lot of cases, I think that's where Smith got cut. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some decent options in like the the same ownership roster ship range, like around forty percent on Yahoo and ESPN. Gisecki, 
uh, Evan Ingram. Gusecki's not someone I've been big on in general, but he did play more snaps the past two weeks. Two weeks ago, had the big game with two touchdowns and the matchup against Detroit. Obviously, he might only need a few targets to get there. Um, in terms of younger guys, Greg Dulcich has emerged as the Broncos' top guy. Uh, and then you've got like Kate Otten for the for the Bucks and Foster Moreau for the Raiders. Those are kind of injury dependent. Although I think I saw today that Braid has been ruled out for another game. Uh, so Kate Otten would seem to be a pretty safe bet for four or five targets. Agreed. I like Dolchett. Got nine targets last week. Uh, I like Harrison Bryant with Njoku out and basically right, nobody right, else. Right. Uh, in Cleveland. So I think those are options, especially like I play in Scott Fishbowl. And that's a tight end boosted league there. You know, worth your attention to go ahead and add him. Uh, I, I think these are, and even Juwan Johnson, because I don't think Troutman's going to play. Uh, I don't think that's a yeah, bad matchup either. Yep. So anyway. yeah, there's some options. There's not much difference between the, the guys on waivers in most leagues and the guys, some of like the mid range tight end ones. It feels like, I mean, it really does. There's like two people have said there's two tight end ones this year, and then it's just kind of a mess. Right. And one of the tight end ones is hurt this week. So we'll see what happens with Andrews. But the uh, others on by. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's, it's a nasty, nasty week, but uh, we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, I, I, you know, and tight end's been such a wasteland this year. Like you said, keep streaming, keep, keep trying to, fa- you know, catch fire. Maybe you'll get that guy. Um, and, you know, you'll be pretty, you'll be pretty happy with the results because, you know, it can't hurt. I mean, especially when you're getting some of you know some of these guys are so frustrating this year. I mean, what are you doing with Kyle Pitts? I mean, you talk about you know he had five targets, five of the thirteen targets. You want to talk about target share? Hey, great, but it's a target share of nothing. It's just it's right dust error. Yeah, forty percent of nothing. Yeah, yeah, I will say that he did. I mean, he had a target. He had a, he was tackled at like the one yard line. He had a target in the end zone that was incomplete. He had another target in the end zone that didn't count officially because of um, a penalty. So they are like, they are trying to get him high value targets. And when they do throw um, and looking at the way they motioning before the snap, it's not like they're not, you know, it doesn't seem like they're not aware of what they have. It's just not working for one reason or another each week. Um, and, you know, I don't think much of that is really on him, but it does seem like, you know, we're basically halfway through the season now and it hasn't even been close to the production that you need. So, yeah, I don't yeah. I I've, I've sort of been hesitant to move him below mid range tight end one. But I think now I'm at the point where I'm like, you know, he's just kind of another one of those whatever prayer tight end starts. I bet you in some leagues he's starting to get cut, but I, I can't yeah, go that can, far. If he has another bad game here, I bet you'll start to see him definitely, you know, getting cut at least in like 10 team leagues with bye weeks kicking in and all that. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut him because I think that, you know, the Falcons averaging whatever 19 pass attempts per game is not at some point. Arthur Smith is going to like, you know, the, the running in the fourth quarter when you're down three scores. It doesn't look great, I don't think. Um, and at some point they might change to Ritter at quarterback and that might make them. He's not quite as mobile as Mariota. Um, and he threw the ball very well in preseason. So maybe they want to see what they actually have and let him throw a little, let London and Pitts develop. Um, so I think there's still upside, but short term, yeah, I'm not too optimistic. Yeah, I'm not either. Okay, your top streamer is Irv Smith. Irv Smith versus Kyle Pitts for this week. Who do you got? Oof. Um, hmm. I think I'd go with Irv Smith, yeah. I've got it. I mean, I think I'd go ahead. I don't know where. Where do you have them ranked? I have Pitts at ten and Smith at eleven, and I have Dulcich at nine. Actually, um, okay. And, and and the conundrum that is Taysom Hill at eight, um, just because of ceiling possibilities. But I don't know. Um, I mean, that that's just that range where ugh, it's just so gross. Yeah, I think I would actually, and Evan Ingram is another guy I have in there who, based on his usage, I would have him ahead of both Pitts and Smith, if not for, as we talked about, that matchup against Denver and the fact that just, you know, Trevor Lawrence in London against a top, top defense just makes me nervous about the whole Jacksonville offense. I don't really want to start anyone but ETN this week. Right, exactly. But Um, longer, if you're looking for like a longer term, you know, a streamer you might stick with, I do think Evan Ingram in real life looks way better to me than he did 
the past few years with the Giants, and he is running a ton of routes and getting five to six targets per game. So right. I think there's some potential there. I think you're right about that. Jerry, we uh, we could talk forever, but the man won't let us. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off here. But tell everybody where they can find you, uh, get advice from you. And, of course, you can see your articles on Rotowire. And you can read about Jerry's streaming defenses. We didn't get into that today, but read his article. You get some good info there. I, I I, I always use Jerry's streaming defenses to double-check my rankings on the value to make, make sure I haven't missed anything. So, uh, Jerry, great stuff there. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find all my work at rotowire.com. And then on Twitter where I give like updates on rankings, tweet out my articles, just chat football. Very easy to find me. Just my name is my handle, Jerry Donabedian. So easy enough. Easy peasy. Uh, you know, spell, spelling the last name is the tricky part. But I think once you get to Jerry D, you think it'll pretty much take you there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Very good. Uh, and you can check out Jerry's work. Uh, if you aren't already a subscriber on Rotowire, well, you should be. But if you're not and you're still listening, thank you for that. You can unlock the paywall. Just go to rotowire.com slash try. There is a no credit card required free trial just for a couple days. You can unlock that payroll. Check out Jerry's features. Check out our player notes. Check out everything that we have at Rotowire. Jerry does four articles a week here. So make sure to check them all out. Check out our rankings. You name it, it's all there for you. Rotowire.com slash try. Big thanks to No House Advantage for sponsoring our podcast. Thanks to our friends on the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a great day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.